0: Hey there and welcome to we Dress Hairdressers podcast brought to you by Harper Ellis Hair Co. and founded on the belief that stylists around the world can be passionate about the artistry of hair design and use their talents to build wealth. I'm your host Tara Harville. All right, you guys, today on the podcast, I'm so excited about our guest. She is a powerhouse, a business owner, a lash artist, and she's an owner of an eyelash extension spa. She's the founder of Cosmo Glow Light, which has changed the lash extension industry. And I'm so excited for you guys to kind of hear her journey and how she got that started. But I have Mary Harcourt here, and Mary, say hello to everybody.
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me today. I'm really excited for this episode.
0: Of course. Yeah, I know our listeners will love listening to you and hearing about your journey. So let's start there. You know, tell us how you became a lash artist and how you started your business and all the things.
1: Yeah, of course. I went to beauty school when I was 18. I am nowhere near that age now. Um, but started in the industry as a hairstylist. So I did hair, cut, color, all of that stuff for six years. And I also bartended just to kind of, you know, how we are, we're young and want to do a lot of things. So I decided I was going to take some time off and go travel. And my last day of cutting hair, I had tears saying goodbye to all of my clients as I packed my bags to go travel international. And I thought, Oh my God, I am never going to bartend a day in my life. That that period (laughs) is done. And I can't wait to get back and do hair. And wouldn't you know, I traveled for about a year and a half. And ever since then, I couldn't justify coming back and starting with one client. And I never did hair again. But I totally went back to bartending for a few years. (laughs) Um, but that's a little about me. So from that journey, I decided I want to do something a little bit different. So dabbled in skincare, dabbled in waxing, and found something with lashes. It, for me, became an obsession. It They're so hard and so complicated that it was challenging enough, and it wasn't having a blow dryer in your face, having to entertain a client for three hours, which sometimes is the best thing ever and sometimes is painful, as we all know. I it was know. listening to spa music in a spa room with half the time that people are, in deep conversation and half the time they're sleeping i thought god this is the perfect mix so (laughs) that led me to buy my first uh, studio in los angeles and i had that for almost six years and we became just the leader in that area there is super saturated market you could walk outside and within a nine minute walk was about 12 places to get your lashes done but we still remained the top Yeah, crazy. Fully booked with a waiting list every day. So I think just being true to who you are and good branding and doing good work really helps you make it to the top and stay there. And then from that, um, I pivoted during COVID because in California, we had a mandate to close our salons for what felt like an eternity, but Mm -hmm. it was nine years. (laughs) Or not I just, Jesus. Nine, <laughs> nine years, mu- nine years nine later. later. <laughs> yes. That was that really was an eternity. Um, nine months and then through it. I just pivoted to create Cosmo Glow, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more into the future. But that mm-hmm. is uh me in a nutshell.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. I mean, that's not a nutshell. That is sounds incredible. Let's expand on how you stayed on top. You know, that's in Los Angeles. That is, to me, the most competitive market out there. Um, What are some like very specific things that you did to stay on top?
1: You know, I, yeah, I, if you can make it in Los Angeles, you can make it anywhere. I was very, <laughs> very into my business. I lived it, breathed it, everything that happened to happen because I felt so strong about it. And in a world of mega volume lashes and everybody getting these crazy big flyaway lashes, I decided that I think in where I particularly was, was a little bit of an older clientele, older region, that they look more beautiful just with natural lashes And I went down that path and swam upstream while everyone was doing mega volumes. We promoted ourselves that we offer the most natural-looking lashes. Still extremely cool, and we would lash all the lashes and give beautiful results. But we lashed more of a classic or a hybrid style, which really helped elevate people's looks instead of overpowering it. And I think that became our in. And then from there, it was everything as far as understanding how Yelp works. Yelp was so huge milestone in my business. I feel like Yelp almost helped me overnight becoming the business owner that I could be. It got our word out there. Social media, putting your work on Instagram, uh, even using Google. Make sure you're registered on Google because that's where people search first and then they go and find your social and your website. So just yeah. really being on top of it and being as exposed to the potential clients as
0: I possibly could. Yeah, Absolutely. I love that. So you know, basically, you found what was very, very different in your, in your niche, really. I mean, it sounds like you found something, you stuck with it. And do you say that, like, maybe that niche became very powerful because of how you market it through, you know, social media, like, letting people know that more natural lashes were better than, you know, the, the I've seen them, the crazy ones that everyone are wearing now. But, <laughs> you know, how did you portray that to, like, people want that look versus the other.
1: I think it was just a little bit of showing our work and the messaging and the verbiage we used where Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I kind of fell into the neighborhood that I was in, which was a little bit older and that everyone wanted to look nice. They didn't want to look done And that's what I kept hearing my clients say when they come in is, hey, I want these to make my, I want them to look good, but I don't really want everyone to know I just got my lashes done. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That's great. We'll we'll make them really natural, but very full and just a little bit shorter. So, You know, it's going to look like you're, if you were born with the best amazing lashes, that's what you're going to leave with today. And then that would happen, and three more people would come in and be like, Hey, I heard you did Susan's lashes, and they've never looked better. And I've been going to this girl, but I really wish she would just go a little bit shorter and a little bit more natural. Can you fit me in? And then her three friends would come. And I had so many friends that just brought their entire circle of friends, which was very helpful.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah, finding your niche, finding what works. And I can't say that that would have worked in Vegas, you know. I think it just worked in the area I was in that people wanted to look good without looking done.
0: Right, right. Absolutely. Well, and then what about your, the salon experience? Like, was that something that kind of set you apart as well? We were,
1: I mean, probably. (laughs) We were super friendly. Everybody got greeted with a hug. We were in a neighborhood most not everyone did, because we are not that large of a neighborhood. But I think the environment we set was you are family. And whether you come there one time, or whether you come there for three years straight, you're always going to be welcomed, and you're always going to be taken care of. And I'm a little OCD when it comes to messages on Instagram and comments and checking my emails and checking my voicemails and text messages, where that was a thing that I heard a lot of people is, God, it's so easy to get a hold of you. I've called other places and left five messages and they never got back to me, but you guys are so responsive. And I think that's really important. And you don't have to be on every single platform and every single channel, but make sure your clients do understand how they can contact you and get a response pretty quickly because they want to feel like, hey, I'm valued and important. And I know I can text her and get an answer back by the end of the night versus if I send an email, who knows when she'll get back to me. But I think you can train your clients to kind of understand which are the best ways to reach us. And then I paid a lot of attention to that to make sure that no one ever felt ignored because each person is so valuable
0: yeah absolutely wow your tips are amazing and it's crazy you know I feel like sometimes in this industry we get so caught up in you know like the social media and what we should post and the content that we should create and all honestly it's it's kind of those simple things like you said like back to the basics let's just like serve people let's take care of people and that's what's going to grow your business the fastest
1: it is. And as much information as you can give someone, so if they're doing their own research, they can find it. Is how They don't have to call you and text you for, hey, what's your hours? Do you offer the service? What's your pricing? Just put it all out there because they'll self-service themselves. And if it fits their budget and it fits their hours, then they're going to contact you with a message that's important to say, hey, I would love to book with you. Can you do a Thursday afternoon? That's when I have available. Versus I, what's your pricing? Are you open through the week? Are you open during the daytime? Give them all that information ahead Time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so, did you have multiple lash artists within your salon?
1: I did. Yeah, I tried the solo thing and I did the work six hours or six days a week, 12 hours a day. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out why I could not get my rent paid in Los Angeles by a beach town.
0: (laughs) Right. And,
1: you know, business ownership can be a long journey. That was my first business I ever owned. And I probably should have taken a lot more concern with learning how to run a business before I just signed on the dotted line. But I got there anyway and learned the hard way. (laughs) And I think managing cash flow and understanding how to price yourself, how to cover your bills and how to price yourself to make a profit is so important. And that's a lesson I didn't learn for about two and a half years in. And it struck me one day where it's like, I am busting my, I literally can't take one more client or one more hour and I'm not making any money, but I have three rooms and they're sitting here empty. If I were to triple my income, I would have a flourishing business. And I don't know right. why it took me that long to understand that, but we put right. some ads out and trained some amazing staff. I had the best staff in the world. They're awesome. But yeah, we had yeah. a fully running, fully staffed business, which was a learning curve too, understanding how to manage people. But that changed the game. And all of a sudden I was able to take so much pride in my business and have the hours and the schedule I wanted and offer a great living for the girls that worked with me, full of experience. Some of them have their own salons
0: now. And yeah. definitely all about having staff wow absolutely well and then what about like if you were to I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are looking to grow their own team or they're in the process of doing that and I know you know how difficult that can be so what would you tell someone if they you know as far as leadership like how do you how do you stay stay on top of that because that's a tough job in itself along with everything else you have to do with running the business People
1: are always going going to gravitate to the example you set. So I am a person that likes to be on time. I will not be early, but I will not be late. And that's why I ran my business where you can come in at 8.58, but you are going to be here before 9 o'clock for your appointment. And I remember there was a time that all of my girls decided to just come in at 9.10, 9.15. Their clients are all sitting there. And that was a nice conversation of going, hey, I know it might not seem like 10 or 15 minutes is that big of a deal, but we invested in a photo shoot for the salon. We invested in advertising so that I can keep your schedule full all day, every single day. If you don't want your schedule full all day, every single day, I can let you come in at one or two o'clock in the afternoon, but your paychecks are going to be affected by that. And it would mean a whole lot more for working as a team that you get here a few minutes early to receive your client. She has a wonderful experience, leaves a five-star review, brings five of her friends. And now all of a sudden your prices can increase because your book's so full. And it was like the light bulb went off in their head of it really isn't about being 10 minutes late. It's about presenting yourself to a client so that you can level up with your prices within that business. And that changed the game. So I think sometimes it's setting by example and explaining not Not coming down on like, hey, you did this, and that's not how I want it done. It's like the why. Why is it so important? Because I'm doing this for you,
0: so you can make more money. Right. Absolutely. I love that. Take me to church, girl. Absolutely. (laughs) I wish you (laughs) could talk for hours. I got you, stylist. Well, and I love that. And I want to kind of go back a minute to we talked about profitable pricing. I mean, such an unreal and I've always been a numbers person, so I'm not a good example for the industry. I, but you know, when I started to mentor other stylists, I learned that they were five, six, seven years into their business and they did not even realize how they weren't pricing for profit. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that. What are some ways that you did, you know, within your business to make yourself more profitable?
1: well the first mistake is looking at all the salons around you and averaging your price based on what their price is mistake number one which a lot of us are told that's how you do it in beauty school or at least i was and the problem is you are not that other person you don't you have a different rent you have different bills you may have staff you have to pay for you might be using more high quality supplies which are going to cost you more in the long run even though they may deliver better results and so really your pricing has to be based on your pricing and if you write everything down from everything you're going to pay this is your your rent for the month your water bill your gas bill your electricity your cell phone your however much your internet provider is all of your bills your supplies your glue and your adhesive if hair we're talking about hair color your shears right. and that is there's some things you buy once a week divide, or once a year. Divide that by 12 because you are paying for it and get right. that number. And that number is going to be how much you have to make, to make to break even. Then think about what you want to make per hour and how many hours you want to work. Okay. Once you have that number, you can understand that, hey, to get where I want to be, I have to be making this much an hour. Based on the supplies and how much it costs for my overhead to be open, which cost me this much an hour, I must price myself at X amount so that not only am I covering all of my overhead, but I'm also adding in for profit based on the hours in the schedule of what I want. And that's going to yeah. give you your price.
0: Absolutely. I love that. Um, you know, one thing to add to that too, and I know, you know, with lash artists, I know it's a bit different on, you know, you have like hour appointments, 30 minutes appointments, however you guys schedule, um, but with hairstylists, I'm like, it also matters how long you're spending. You know, if you're charging just enough to get by, but yet you're spending, you know, four to five hours with one client, you are losing money. You're going in the hole.
1: Well, and exactly. So I think timing many, is
0: so important.
1: How many times you refill that bowl of bleach or how many foils you're putting in your hair. It, it, right. it all adds up that your pricing needs to reflect that. And if it means that you have to take the higher end with all clients, And then if you have a kind hearted client that has the thinnest hair and it takes you 15 minutes, then say, hey, my pricing is this. I'm going to reduce it for you because it didn't take me that long. But at least you set the level at excellence because it's going to be a whole lot harder to say, here's my pricing and you can give your nice people a discount versus pricing yourself low. And then trying to say, well, there's an extra charge for this. There's an extra charge for that. There's an extra charge for that because your client's going to sit there and go, "Okay, well, that's not the price that I agreed to. Where if you do it for reverse, the client knows they're coming in the door to pay that price and they've already agreed to it, which I think it's almost better to set your prices high and go down if you need to, rather than go start baseline and add all these extra charges. Just my two cents.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I love that. You absolutely get it. Clearly, that's why you're number one in Los Angeles, but I think that's pretty incredible. Something hairstylists, lash artists, estheticians, everyone needs to hear because numbers matter. We don't do this for fun at the end of the day. That's what I always say during my education through Harper Ellis, my other business. I'm like, we do this for fun because it is fun, but it's not, we don't do it only for fun. We do this to provide for our families and provide the kind of life that we want to live. And so I think it's incredible that you are so in touch with that side of the business.
1: I am. I did sell the business this recently. I'll say I'll bring that up because I'm <laughs> no longer number one in Los Angeles, but the oh salon still flourishes. Yeah, I Cosmo Glow became a full time investment. That we have a team that invests all day, every day, uh, days on end, getting this product international but I was I able know, to sell my salon for a profit which was amazing and it's still it running my staff is still there my clients are still there so if you ever get that opportunity that is a really nice thing to be able to sell your salon and watch it continue to, to flourish
0: absolutely that's so cool well let's dive into Cosmo Glow like what what tell me all the things how did it come about <laughs> what exactly it is what's your mission all the things Yeah,
1: so Cosmo Glow is an industry-specific lighting for beauty treatment rooms. This covers anyone that's doing permanent makeup, brows, lashes, facialists, chemical peels. It could be tattooing, all of the things. And it's for anyone that needs a, a good lighting overhead that doesn't cast heat. So you're not sweating during your appointment. It doesn't cast mm-hmm. shadows. So you can have just one light. And it came from my struggles as a last a salon owner. I replaced my lights three different times and my staff was still unhappy. <laughs> and I was like, guys, I feel like Goldilocks here. I mean, every time I buy a new light, you find a new problem. And it it got to be there was no more light. And I was thinking, like, it is so silly. Like, beauty industry is only exploding. It's only getting bigger. And how has no one made an industry-specific lighting for treatment rooms, for beauty professionals? And so I kind of decided why don't I make it just for myself like I'm gonna prototype these for our salon and I got a prototype made on a napkin sketch one day my now husband then boyfriend was like well what would it look like I'm like I wanted to have a flat face because things on tripods do not make any sense when you have clients moving around in small spaces because Los Angeles is teeny tiny everything and uh-huh. every time I would get up, I would trip over this tripod. You have a hand talker client who puts their hands up and all of a sudden the light flies across the room. Or you have <laughs> we had film lights. They would make it so hot in the room. It would be like clammy and uncomfortable. You'd have to get up and open the door and turn on the air conditioner. So we, I wanted something that didn't give off heat. And I wanted it to move because – Traditionally, you have like the ring lights or the tripods or however you want to go about it, but you need two of them. So then it looks like you have this, all this lighting apparatus. And I said, well, let's just simplify it. Let's give it a flat base, a top like the old school tanning beds, like that arc shape, and have it rotate so you can use it over your client's face anytime you need. And from that, we got it prototyped. And the prototypes were awesome. As soon as the first one came in, we plugged it in. I said, oh, my God, this is going to change <laughs> everything and then my girls would all fight over who had the room with that light and I thought oh god we can't live a life like this let's get another (laughs) one and we ended up having three and with each ones we made changes and that we started the process in 2019 in September and we had gotten our third one I think in February that was the, the kind of third and final design where the whole entire top rotates 360 degrees you can glide it against the wall when not in use pull it over When it's in service, you don't have all this lighting apparatus. It had the flat base, It was adjustable in brightness and height. Like, it was perfect. And that was it. And really, I was just kind of using them in my salon because that's what I wanted. And when COVID happened in March, I switched gears to being like, it's so funny. Clients walk in there every day going, what is this light? I've never seen anything like it. And here I am. I'm like, it's mine. I made it. It's mine. They're like, what do you mean it's yours? (laughs) <laughs> and they would always start the conversation, like, why don't you do that as a real company or a real product? So I'm like, I don't know. You know, if I ever get the time, maybe I will. And with COVID, all of a sudden I woke up one day and I didn't have a fully booked day and I didn't have a staff to maintain and a salon to clean and supplies to order and payroll to run at 11 o'clock on a Friday night. I was just gifted time. And so what would happen if I really did launch this into a real product and that was the start of it all. We launched it into a real product. We started sales June of 2020 and shipped our first product, I believe, in October of 2020. And from then on, mm-hmm. we've just been growing and making it everything that it is today, which we like to say the leader of lighting in the beauty industry.
0: Wow, that is incredible. And then you guys are international you're in multiple countries?
1: Currently, we've just shipped into Mexico and Canada but we are the only thing we're waiting on is our VAT numbers, which is in process. And then we will be in the UK, Australia and EU, which should happen in the next six to eight weeks, we're hoping. Um, wow. But yeah, we're just in, we're in holding pattern right now.
0: Wow, that is so incredible. And you do this full time now. I mean, you have you have a company, you have you have more employees that work with Cosmoglow. How is that working?
1: Yeah, so my first employee of Cosmo Glow was actually my front desk at my salon. And (laughs) as I dueled both, I did them both in tandem, it became crazy. I mean, I was taking clients. And in between clients, I would be on Instagram answering questions about Cosmo Glow. And my assistant would be helping me. And we would just go through the numbers. And then as soon as all my clients left for the night at 9 o'clock, I would switch gears and work on Cosmo Glow until 2 a.m. And I thought, oh, "Oh God, I have clients at 8 a.m. Like, this is Mm -hmm. not. Not sustainable. <laughs> and I if you would have ever asked me what I've sold my salon, I would have never I would have never I was so comfortable things were going great. It's everything you ever dream of. And as we all know, like, the more you build, the stronger you become and I was building it, it, it was built, it was working. And yeah. so it was really hard to come to that decision. But it was my sanity and the growth of a business, knowing that Cosmo Glow has the ability to go global and my salon has the ability to be the best in Los Angeles. And that for me was like, okay, we're going to switch gears and dedicate everything to making this the leader of lighting in the beauty industry. And we've done that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's funny you say that. I feel like the most successful business owners, and I've said this for a very long time, have the ability to simply see the long term vision. And, you know, sometimes like I remember, you know, when I was growing my extension company, I stepped back behind the chair, I was making, you know, over $400,000 working just three, four days a week behind the chair as a hairstylist. And, you know, I obviously took a pay cut to work inside my business or on my business and not you know, yes. just behind the chair. And, you know, and I feel like that was just my ability to see what was going to happen. And thank God I did. And, you know, I've learned that not everyone can do that. Not everyone can deal with that fear of like, hey, let's step back from what's comfortable and what is currently working, even if it's working well, to try to grow something that could be super incredible. So what's your advice on that to like, you know, tell someone else that may be a little bit scared to do that?
1: So, I mean, the scared feeling is real. I don't think you're ever going to not have that. That's perfectly normal. And I had it too. And the way I got over it was I had a conversation with myself going, okay, Mary, you have everything you've known in one side and you have this new venture on the other side and you could put everything you have into it and it could fail epically and you could be left with absolutely nothing. Starting over at almost 40, starting over with a dollar in your bank account. You could even start over owing and being in debt to this product. Are you okay with that? And I thought, you know what, here's the thing. I've started over so many times in my life. I've moved to different countries. I've moved to different states. I've moved to different cities. And as we know, being a hairstylist in the beauty industry, you always start over at one. Mm -hmm. You start over and get your first client. And I thought, I've done that so many times and it's never stopped me. And I think each time I do it, I get a little bit stronger and a little bit faster. And if I have to start over at 40, I can do it. There's no fear there. And then once you realize that there's no fear there, it's kind of like, so why aren't we doing it? Let's go. Come on. And right. that's, that's what you have to do is have a very real conversation with yourself. Maybe you have kids involved and you're taking care of family. I mean, have that conversation. Can you start over with a child and caring for your parents? And sometimes you can't, and it's just a, a waiting game. And other times you can say, worst case scenario, it's still worth the try than sitting on the sidelines and watching someone else do it because I didn't pull the trigger.
0: Right. Absolutely. That is when you're full of regret, (laughs) full of regret. If you don't pull the trigger, I always feel like you never question yourself. Like what if, if you've done it, you know,
1: Well, and with everything you do, even if it, even if it fails, you still learned an incredible lesson and it's going to help you later in life, make a better decision. So it might not work out the way that you think it might, or it should, but it's still going to help you further down the line than not trying. Right.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. One question I have for you, though, I guess I have a lot of questions, but this is one major one. You know, there are you obviously have competitors within your space, but how do you, you know, stay on top? And you're you're obviously introducing this brand new product to people that have, you know, never seen it before. Do you have something very specific that has grown, you know, your company the most? Like, what have you done to get the word out?
1: One, I think boots on the ground. I'm from the industry. I'm in the industry. I understood that there was a hole in the market. Like No one has ever connected all the dots in what we needed in the lighting system until mm-hmm. now. So that was really effective. I'm not someone that sat in an office going, how can we make this cheap and make more money? It was, right. hey, these are the features it needs to have. And then if it can have all of these features, here's what it can do and here's how, what it can do it for. And that becomes really easy to target who is going to be the purchaser of the light because it's going to be mostly a salon environment mostly someone that's into the beauty services, and you go in and have fixed all of the problems that they've been dealing with their whole life, it's relatively easy to connect all those dots. Yeah, absolutely. Social proof social proof, Um, everyone showing our reviews, showing everyone that gets their lights, all the good things. We had one today on our Instagram going, I am completely 100% obsessed and wrote a whole post of like, guys, if you've been on the fence, like just do it. This is the best light I've ever used. I wish I didn't wait so long. I truly love it inside and out. And watching that, like we didn't create, we didn't make that post. That was someone else that bought a light that made that post. So I think really social proof is super helpful when it comes
0: to building a brand and getting the word out there. Yeah, absolutely. And then when you say, you know, boots on the ground, I love this term. We use it a lot inside of my own business, you know, and like tell me more of like what that means to you. I know to me, you know, this means going out and making actual relationships with our customers. We're not just like wham, bam, thank you for your check and move on. What does this mean to you?
1: Yeah. So boots on the ground to me means that you understand firsthand the experience you're going through and what others are going to be going through too. So I knew every time I would go to stretch my legs because I lashed for eight hours a day sometimes. And you go to kick out your foot and it hits a tripod and the tripod falls and your client's sleeping and you have a mini heart attack that you have to catch that light before it falls on their face. That's not comfortable. Or the amount of times that you're trying to lash these tiny see-through pieces of hair As lashes, and give them the best result. And there's shadows that you're fighting with. There's lights that are flickering. It's just not the the best lighting. Understanding that giving someone really easy, bright, adjustable lighting that moves without shadows is so needed is I think more important than someone sitting in an office going, well, we could make this light and then it can be be sold and we can do that. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm fixing all of the problems. And that's what boots on the ground means means for me is just, I've been there. I've been in your situation. I've been through the services. I've been through the struggles. I've been through the
0: problems. So here's your solution to all of those. Right. Absolutely. It's exactly I feel like kind of what we say, you know, with hair extensions, they the problem with hair extensions, is they were never created by hairstylists that yeah, people that use them within their own business and actually worked with them. And, 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 you know, that's such a big deal. Because how would you know if you've never walked a mile in your customer's shoes? What is your best advice for time management? Because obviously, you have to be an expert at this.
1: Girl, I am still working on that. Time management is one thing. I'm a creative, as I think many of us are. So sometimes I feel like doing this when I need to be doing that. But if what's helped me is just putting everything in your schedule, I schedule everything on a calendar, I schedule everything from I have to approve captions for social media posts, I schedule checking in orders and making sure that everything is shipping on time, like it's supposed to, I schedule in sometimes today, I'm going to get something notarized, I leave at 430. That's on my schedule. Because otherwise, I'll get a creative flow. And I'll work until (laughs) 1am. That's just how it is. So making sure that there's a hard stop to getting projects done and knowing that they're in my calendar. So they have to be dealt with one way or the other. We are having that meeting. We
0: are working on that project,
1: even if my little creative brain isn't feeling it for that right time,
0: sticking to a schedule. Yeah, absolutely. One more question. This may be a little bit hard because it is for me. I hate when I get asked this question, but what do you do whenever you're kind of like in a rut? You're stuck? you are out of inspiration. And you know, things are just tough, because I know it's not sunshine rainbows every single day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think you know, the true entrepreneur journey, and this goes back to even if you are starting a business, or you just rented your own chair somewhere, that's you're being an entrepreneur. And not every day is a good day. There's rough days where you take a hit. And it's like, ouch, that kind of hurt. And you can get knocked down. But I think for me, When I'm in a rut, I'm a creative person. I love the art. So I got to listen to music, read a book. I'm a huge connoisseur of like business books. You can take someone's entire life journey that they feel like they perfected or at least like learned so much experience, put it into a book. And it's almost like having cliff notes of that person's life experience. You can read a book and all of a sudden get more inspiration or learn how they do it differently. I was reading a book by Mark Cuban. And he said, if you think about a competitor coming out with a product just like yours, how would you change what you do? And then the question was followed up with, then why aren't you doing that now? And it was just so, it made so much sense where even if you're in a rut, sometimes it's because you don't know the next move where reading a book can get you out of that because all of a sudden you're thinking about things differently or you're learning from someone else's life experiences or growing from a a part that maybe you're not so strong in, but they feel like they were. And you're reading all of these words that they gifted to you in the form of a book really helps me.
0: Absolutely. I love that. I feel like major girl power after talking to you today. And so I know that our listeners are going to, you know, do the same. And, And your advice is just, it's priceless. I mean, you have clearly been through it and I'm inspired by you. So I appreciate you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. Absolutely. I believe in women. We are strong. We can multitask. We are driven. And sometimes you just need someone to tell you that you can do it. So That's, you guys, we, we can all do
0: it. Absolutely. I love that. Well, tell us where we can find you on social media and all the things.
1: Sure. I'm on social media on Instagram. It's at Mary Harcourt. There's an underscore at the end. And then for the light, we're at Cosmoglow.com. And our Instagram is the Cosmoglow light on TikTok as well.
0: Amazing. I love that so much. Well, thank you again and honored to have you today, Mary.
1: Oh, thank you so much. It's
0: been a pleasure. Of course. Thank you all for listening to episode 37 of the Weirdest Hairdressers Podcast.